So anyhow, last uh, Sunday I started this series of, mess, of Sunday School Lessons, uh, 10 Principles for Biblical Living, and this is the second principle. Uh, honestly, this is um, the, the basic outline is out of a book I read years ago by a missionary by the name of Don Sisk, and um, he's still in ministry today. Not, he's not a missionary any longer. He teaches at a Bible college and is active in uh, Lancaster Baptist Church in California. But in a small book that he wrote, and that was the title of the book, Ten Principles for Biblical Living, and I read it many, many years ago, and uh, I thought these were really great. And some of these things I um, had, had tried to implement in my life. This particular lesson, long before I read the book, Pastor Ainsworth, one time, it wasn't even a whole message. It was just some comments that he made in a sermon about the little things. And so this particular lesson reminded me of that. And he used a simple example, before we even get into this, about just doing little things. And, um, well, I'll share that with you maybe later on in, in it. But let's just read 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're not going to spend a lot of time in this chapter, uh, but I want you to see something because I'm going to start out by using David as an example. Um, but chapter 17 of 1 Samuel is the account when David takes on Goliath, the Philistine. And um, so... I'm not even sure we'll read this whole chapter, but then we'll have a word of prayer. So the Bible says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Ezekah and Ephesdemim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah. Anybody that ever goes to Israel on a trip of Israel... Usually on the way back to the airport, you stop at the Valley of Elah. And that's where this battle took place. And um, it's actually one of my favorite spots when I've been to Israel. Because it's just a valley. And uh, when you look at it, it hasn't changed much in thousands of years. Um, I'm sure the vegetation has changed, but there's a brook that runs through the valley. And uh, you can just kind of stand there. And, you can, and, and there's just two hills on either side, and you can kind of imagine on one side of the Philistines, on the other side were the Israelites. And if you just kind of sit there and look, you can kind of, in your imagination, think of Goliath and David meeting out in the middle of this valley. So that's the scene that's here. Verse 4 says, There was a champion out of the camp of the Philistines, and his name was Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. I think if I remember correctly, that's somewhere around, he was 11 feet tall. So he's a large, large man. And um, the Bible went on, goes on to tell us he had a helmet of brass and um, in verse 5. And uh, the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And uh, he had the brass on his legs, verse 6, the target of brass between his shoulders. So he's well armed here. And he's got, a, he's got a, a, a huge spear. He's a big man. And, um, and, he, and he cries out here, and he's mocking the Israelites and the children of God. And uh, the Israelites are scared to death of him. They're fearful of him. 
And in verse 9, he lays out this challenge where he says, if, if he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we'll be your servants, Israelites. But if I prevail against him and I kill him, whoever you send out to fight me, then you'll be our servants. So instead of there being a battle, it's just going to be a one-on-one. -on -one. And he's going to, I'll take anybody you have, you bring them out here, and whoever wins, that's the end of the battle. And in verse 10, he said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me this man, a man that we might fight together. And in verse 11, at the end of the verse, well, the Israelites, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. They just were not going to take, they just didn't want to do this. Now that brings us to verse 12. Now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. He had eight sons, and the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to, to, to the battle were Eliab, he was the firstborn, Abinadab, and the thirdborn was Shema. So these are the three oldest boys, probably pretty well known in, in, at that particular time. And then the Bible says, but verse 14, the youngest of the three eldest followed Saul. David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. And David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So there's where all, all the action is in the valley of Elah. But David, he has to go back home. And I'm sure like a young man, he was adventurous, and he probably wanted to stay and see all the action. But he goes back. And he's got to take care of the sheep. And um, the Philistines drew near morning and evening and presented himself. Forty days he's challenging Israel. Well, David's dad, Jesse, now he's back taking care of the sheep. He says, I tell you what, it's been 40 days. I want you to go back to the front line. Bring some supplies for your brothers. They probably need some food and, and uh, things of that nature. And so that's what he does. In verse 17, parched corn and ten loaves of bread. And he, and he runs. And he ran to the camp. Of, he probably couldn't wait to leave the sheep and, and get back to the action. See what's going on. And ten cheeses in verse 18. And um, see how your brother, see how your brethren fare, his dad says to him. See how they're doing. And so there they still are in the valley of Elah. And David rose up, verse 20, early in the morning. He left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight, and he shouted for the battle. And Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. David left his carriage in the hand of a keeper. He ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came out the champion of the Philistines of Gath, Goliath. And he puts this challenge out again. And all the, Israel, all the men of Israel, verse 21, they see this guy, they run away from him. And um, the men said, of Israel said, have you seen this man that's come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. That the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and he'll give him his daughter and make his father's house free. So the king put out a challenge. If any of you guys want to take this guy on, and you beat him, I mean, there's a lot in it for you. But nobody wanted to do it. Well, David spake to the men, verse 26, that stood by, saying, what should be done to that man that killeth his, the Philistine? and taketh away the reproach from Israel. Notice David, he was more concerned about the reproach that this man was mocking his God and mocking the Israelites. 
Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this guy that's bad-mouthing us all the time, bad-mouthing our God all the time? And so they tell him what would be done. Well, verse 28. So David's oldest brother, Eliab, he heard when David spake to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. He's, he's mad at his brother. And he said, why camest thou down hither, and with whom thou hast left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? He said, isn't there a cause here? Isn't there a cause? Let's just stop right there and have a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, bless now the Bible study this morning. Help us as we learn these truths and make application to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I have no doubt in my mind that David wanted to see the action and uh, see what was going on. But the point of all this and how it lends itself to learning to do the small things well is that David, he took care of the sheep. It's not a very, uh, not a very exciting job to watch sheep. It's kind of, in some ways, it could be a very boring job. Uh, but just notice on your handout, if you would, the introductory paragraph. So the Bible provides us with numerous illustrations of people who did little things with excellence. One example is King David. Before he became a king, he was called to be a shepherd. It wasn't as highly coveted a job, or it wasn't a highly coveted job, and I'm sure that at times it was tedious and boring. Yet he was faithful in his responsibilities as he worked at being the best shepherd that he could be. So David, and we're not going to read the rest of the story. I'm just going to tell it to you for sake of time. But as you know, David goes to King Saul and David says to King Saul, listen, I'll take this guy on. King Saul gives him all of his armor. It's so heavy that David can't even move. So David says to the king, listen, I, I can't wear all this armor. He said, um, he takes it all off and he says, if, if, if you have your Bibles, look at verse 34. I'll read this verse. David said to Saul, listen, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took out a lamb out of the flock. I went after him. I smote him. I delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servants do both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be one of them, seeing that he defied the armies of the living God. So David says, listen, I've been a shepherd, and uh, yeah, we've had people come in, or we've had animals come in and try to steal the sheep, and God's used me, or I uh, uh, depended upon God to defend the sheep, and I've done this before. And I'm sure there was a lot of people thinking, well, this Philistine is a lot different than a bear or a lion, but not in David's eyes. And so, you know the story, David takes a stone and a sling. He meets the Philistine out in the field of Elah, the valley of Elah, and uh, the Philistine is mocking him. David takes the sling, lets it fly, and boom, hits the Philistine and kills him. And then, this is what I really imagine when I stand at the valley of Elah. I think about that. And so, I want you to picture this. You have this man who's approximately 11 feet tall. So this is, I'm about six feet tall, so it's probably a little taller than this. And then you have this young boy. So think of the two armies on either side. 
I think of the Philistines, they must have been laughing and mocking and just having a good old time. Watch Goliath just take this guy, this little kid, and kill him. And I'm sure on the other side of the valley, so you got the Philistines on the other side of the valley, you got the Israelites, and they're saying, oh, this is not going to be good. This is not going to end well. Well, then they see David, what happens, and they see this giant, and they see David take that sling and boom, kills this guy, and he drops to the ground. And then I think over that valley in my imagination, now whether it happened this way or not, I don't know. But I think there is just dead silence. Like on the Philistine side, the jaws drop. On the Israelite side, I think they all start looking at each other. And then the Bible, if we were to read it, David takes Goliath's sword. He takes that sword, and I think the only thing in my imagination that you hear in that valley is the swoosh of the sword as he cuts off David's head, or Goliath's head. Whew. The point of all that is, for years, David, as a young man, he tended to the sheep. He just did the little things. And then God put him in a big moment. Follow what I'm saying? He just did the little things. Learning to do the little things well. People who master the small things will have opportunity to do the big things. In the Bible, it's filled with examples of that. On your handout, I have just a couple of verses. Paul wrote to the church in, in Colossae, and look what he said. He said this. This is good instruction for you and me. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. In other words, whatever you're engaged with, do it heartily. Give it your all. Give it your best. Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote these words. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. In other words, he's saying, once you're dead, you can't do it. It's all over. But until you die, give it your all. And then 2 Kings 5.13, one of my favorite stories also in the Bible, in the Old Testament. There was a... There was a um, Syrian general by the name of Naaman, who had gone into Israel and they had captured Israelites. And there was a little maiden girl, Israelite, little Jewish girl, who was the servant to Naaman's wife. Naaman had leprosy. And back in Israel was Elisha the prophet. And uh, this little girl says to Naaman's um, wife, she says, listen, there's a prophet back in Israel. And if, if Naaman could see this prophet... I think he could probably heal him of this leprosy. And so word gets back, and Naaman sends a letter to the king of Israel, and uh, um, the king of Israel, is, he doesn't know what to do. I, what am I going to do? How am I going to help this guy? Well, the, Elisha gets a, the word of it, and uh, so the, the two of them meet, and he doesn't even come out of his house when Naaman gets there. He says, go wash in the Jordan seven times, and you'll be clean. Well, the, well, the general, he's like, he didn't even come out. I'm an important person. He didn't even come out to see me. And um, then the word, well, the, the verse is this. Look at the verse. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, wash and be clean? In fact, 
if you read the story, the general said, back in my own country, there's nicer rivers than the Jordan. And his servant says, and if he had asked you to do something great, something spectacular, you would have done it. He's just asking you to do a small thing. Go down into the Jordan seven times. So Naaman does, and Naaman is cleansed of his leprosy. So all through the Bible, there's examples of, of men and women, others. Maybe you could quickly, before I get into these seven points, and we're going to blow through them pretty quickly, but maybe somebody else could give me some examples of Bible characters who, they did the small things, but God used them in a big way to do other things. Anybody? Joseph. Joseph, Joseph was a man who, who did some did the small things. I mean, sold by his brothers because they were jealous of him. Was faithful as a servant in Potiphar's house, then falsely accused. Thrown into prison. Became, uh, worked in the prison and did a great job. Uh, became an interpreter of dreams. Then ends up, and through all of that, those are the small things, he becomes the prime minister of Egypt. And it all started when he just was faithful to God. What else? Who else? He would make tents. Paul was a, you know, before Paul became a Christian, he was uh, a very, in those, in the eyes of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he was an important person. And he had status. He had, he had position in life. He was well known. But he said, I count that all but dung that I may win Christ. And he gave all that up. And, and then as he would go and he would preach, and he put himself or allowed himself to be put through. I mean, he, three times they tried to stone him to death. He was beaten. He was, he was robbed. He was thrown in prison. But then as he began to establish churches, in order to support himself... He would just make tents. Just a simple job. He was probably one of the best tent makers ever. Anybody else? Somebody else in the Bible? Yes. Ezra. Good. So tell me. Tell me about Ezra. What he did that, that the small things that he became a big guy. I might be thinking became a queen and helped save her people from being murdered. But prior to being a queen, she was just a humble servant. Somebody else? Yes? Uh, Matthew, he was a tax collector. He was a tax collector. He was not a good tax collector. <laughs> There's an example of someone who, who was not well liked, but um, because most no tax collectors are liked. Are there, are there any tax collectors that are, even today, you know, are, are not liked? But he then began to serve the Lord. So good. What else? I thought he had, he had said Ezra, but Ezra, he was... It would be, be used to be rebuild the temple. Nehemiah was used to rebuild the wall. You know what Nehemiah did? He was a cupbearer. He drank the king's wine to make sure the king wouldn't die. That's kind of a... <laughs> that's a nervous type job. Real quick. Who else? Yeah, he was a carpenter. Um, he's the ultimate example. 
All right, let's look at these. So we, I want to get through all these. I don't want to run out of time. So remember, the idea is people who, who master the small things, um, God gives them opportunities. God gives them opportunities. So here's point number one to write into your blank. Whatever God's called you to do, do it, do it promptly. Do it promptly. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you like to pro procrastinate? Put things off. Isn't that part of our nature? We want to put things off. Uh, yet we're told that the Bible really encourages us to do things promptly. Here's just one example in the Bible. John chapter 2 and verse 5. Uh, this is the first miracle that Jesus performs. They're at a wedding and uh, they run out of wine at the wedding. Jesus says for them to go fill up uh, these six water pots. Firkin, they're called firkins in the Bible. And he says, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Just go ahead and do it. And uh, that's really a great example. You and I, when, we, when we're either prompted of the Lord or we're reading God's word, uh, the instructions of God's word, or in the text that I read you today about David being told of his father, I want you to go and bring these supplies to your brothers. So the Bible says David got up early and he just went. He just did what he was told to do. He didn't procrastinate. Listen, whatsoever, and, 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 the, and the example I have on your handout here, anybody know roughly how much water is in one firkin? A firkin, how much, we don't use that term. But he said you're to fill up these six pots and each pot in the scriptures had two to three firkins of water. How much do you think? 40? No, too much. Somewhere, I did a little reading this morning, uh, what I read, somewhere between 9 and 11 gallons. So that's, yes. 10 gallons? Yeah, well, it's 10, it, yeah, it could be, it, it's somewhere between 9 and 11, somewhere in there. So, but anyhow, do the math. So they're, they're probably told to, the disciples are probably told to, now remember, the disciples, when we think of the disciples today, we revere them, and we should, amen? They were used of God in a great way. And um, God changed their lives. They were all martyred for the faith. But here in the very beginning of their ministry, Jesus says to the disciples, go and fill these six pots with water. If you do the math, it's somewhere probably between, they needed to gather 150 and 160 gallons of water. It's not an exciting job. But they did it right away. They did it right away. Sometimes, you and I as believers, we're always looking to do the exciting thing. Just learn to do the simple things. And do it promptly. The example I was going to give you, Pastor Ainsworth, from years ago, was this. He said, listen, he used this example in the church. He said, if you're walking around the church and you see something that needs to be done, don't wait for somebody else to do it. Just go ahead and do it yourself. If you're walking through the parking lot and you see candy wrappers out there from Wednesday night, don't wait for somebody else to come pick them up. Pick them up yourself and throw them out. And I never forgot that. It was just a simple example that he gave. So... Long before I was ever called into the ministry, I would just look around for things to do and how, what I could do. And, uh, and just do it. Not have to be told. Just do it promptly. 
If you see a trash can coming, I would assume that, that you do that at home, right? I don't know, maybe you don't. But if you see something that needs to be done, just go ahead and do it. And um, just do it promptly. And then the second point is, if you're going to do it, do it, do it pleasantly. All these will begin with P, so you can uh, think on through that. Do it pleasantly. You need a pen? Got a pen? That way you can write it down. Where's Ethan with the pens? See, he's not doing it promptly. Look at this. And now come on out here because you're not doing it pleasantly. Where are you, Ethan? You're late, man. Promptly. That's the second point. Do it promptly. You need a pen? You got a pen? All right. Do it promptly. Do it pleasantly. All right. Paul, <laughs> Paul, Paul writes, look at, look at what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. Now, here's the context of this. There's people starving in Jerusalem. And Paul had come by and Paul said, listen, I'm challenging you. Let's take up an offering to help these people back in Jerusalem. It's like a relief offering. I mentioned to you uh, a week or so ago, my brother, I was down there about a month ago. He lives in Cedar Key, Florida. I spent a week with him. A week ago, if you watched the hurricane that hit Florida, Cedar Key took a direct hit. There was eight feet of water in the center of town. And... Um, I, there's, the First Baptist Church is in Cedar Key. They've been very involved in helping people. They've had so many things given to them that they're not only helping the people of Cedar Key, but there's the, the, the other towns too right around there that got hit with the hurricane. They're sending supplies out. And so Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he said, you know, you guys said you were going to take up a relief offering. So this is what he says. Listen, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth, what kind of a giver? A cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. Now I didn't put it on your handout, but listen to the, some verses, listen to the situation that Paul speaks about, about he uses an example of other believers, the Macedonians. And he said this about the Macedonians. Listen, he says, there was a, out of a great trial of affliction and the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto their liberality. In other words, he's saying to the church in Corinth, Corinth, you guys promised to help the folks in Jerusalem. If you're going to do it, do it promptly, do it cheerfully. He says, you haven't done it promptly. The Macedonians, they had nothing. And he says, they gave cheerfully and they gave promptly. So, anyhow, whatsoever, whatever you do for the Lord, do it, do it pleasantly. Thirdly, persistence. Be persistent in your Christian walk. Do it persistently. Peter wrote these words, Wherewith, where, wherefore? I'll not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. See what he says in the beginning of that verse? I'll not be negligent to, to, to put you always in remembrance of these things, to always do these things. He says, he said earlier in that verse, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. 
Sometimes people will hear a message or, or they hear somebody say something, oh, I've heard that before. Well, good. Uh, Peter said, I'm, always, I'm going to preach these things to you over again and over again and over again because the more that they're put into remembrance into your mind and into your heart, the more you'll do these things. So be persistent in your faith. Do it, fourthly, whatever you do, do it passionately. Be passionate for the things of God. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. That word all there is for a reason. When we think of the illustration of David killing Goliath, he got up early. He ran to the battle. He did, he, 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 and he wasn't so much concerned with what they would be rewarded with. He was more concerned with the fact that this Philistine, he's, he's making a mockery out of the God that I love. And um, what, 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 Paul would write these words. For the love of Christ constraineth me, because we thus judged. If one died for all, then all were dead. When we do things for the Lord or just live out our lives, do it passionately for the Lord's sake. Because he gave his all for us. Fifthly, whatever we do, be prayerful about it. Do it prayerful. Be prayerful in, in all that we do. Be careful for nothing, Paul said. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Here's one example nobody gave. Maybe you could, you could guess who this person is, but there's a very well-known person in the Bible who was very faithful in their prayer life. And um, because they were faithful in their prayer life, God used them for big things. Big things. Some of the, some of the most well-known stories in the scripture. Who is that, Bill? You look like you have the answer. Daniel. Daniel, that's who I'm thinking of. You remember there was a challenge that was given. And the challenge was that no one was to make any requests of anyone but um, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. And um, because Daniel had enemies they didn't, the, the enemies of God were the enemies of Daniel because Daniel was a man of God. And in the Bible, uh, we find out that Daniel was a man who prayed three times a day, morning, noon, and in the evening. And he was a prayerful man. And when this challenge was given, and anyone who broke this challenge would be put to death, it wasn't going to stop Daniel from doing, the Bible uses the word aforetime, from what he had always done. So with his windows open, he got on his knees and he prayed. And they were waiting for him to pray. And so he was accused of breaking the law. And because he broke the law, then where did he end up? The king had to put him somewhere. Anybody know? Where did Daniel end up for breaking the law? The lion's den. The lion's den. Yeah, the den of lions. And God would spare him from that. But then Daniel would be used, Daniel would rise up to, like, 
to the top echelon of the empire. He'd be used to interpret dreams. He would be used of God in a great way. And, and not only that kingdom, but the kingdoms to come. He would interpret the great prophetic dream of the return of Christ. And, uh, but he did the simple things. He just prayed. Learn to do the simple things. Promptly, pleasantly, persistently, passionately, prayerfully, patiently. That's the, 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 the sixth point. Be patient. The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Just be patient. We, have to, we wait on the Lord and the things of God. Uh, it doesn't always happen all at once. And you never know how God is going to use your patience. Um, there are many, many stories of missionaries who go to the mission field and they labor for years and years and years and don't see a lot of results. But they're patient. They interpret or they uh, translate scripture. The translation work if you're going to be a Bible translator, it takes an enormous amount of patience to get the translation correct so that the people have that language. But if you're like me, I'm not a patient person. I'm not. I'm a very impatient person. And I've, tried to, have, have, I've had to learn to be patient. Uh, I'm not always successful at that. So, you know, I have all these things listed here. It doesn't mean you necessarily do them. Sometimes you just need, you need to ask God to help you do them. If you're not a prompt person, you need to ask, Lord, help me to be more prompt. And, um, and help me to be more pleasant. And help me to be more persistent. And help me, Lord, to do this with all my strength and all my might for your honor and for your glory. And help me to be a praying person. And helping to learn to be patient with myself, with people around me. But don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. Don Siskin, in the book that he wrote, he talks about going to Japan. And, uh, you know, they worked, they worked, they worked, they worked to have a first meeting. And they only had 11 people come to that meeting. And... Um, You work hard, and, and, but he was patient. But he said this, in that first meeting, that there was a man who was saved in that meeting. That man today, I think he's still alive, that man today, he pastors the largest independent Baptist church in Japan, a Japanese man. He was just patient and saw the Lord work. Be patient. And then lastly, some of the things that we do, we just need to do it privately. Just, just do it privately. And, and you know what I mean by that is, this is the world, the, the world we live in today is everything that seems to have to be public on Facebook. Like everybody has to seem to tell everybody what everybody else is doing. You know what I'm saying? Like if the Lord's called you to do some things, just do it privately. Just do it for the Lord. No one has to know all the time what you've done. Listen to what Matt Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Other words, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. In other words, sometimes we're just serving the Lord, and not everybody knows that we've done this and we've got to do this. There's nothing wrong with public things and people coming to know uh, things that you've done. But 
in Colossians on your handout, Paul wrote, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye servants as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart fearing God. In other words, don't do things to just please people and for people to, for accolades to come upon you. Just serve the Lord. And if you get credit for it, you get credit for it. If you don't get credit for it, you know, there's only one person, there's only one person that's important to get credit from. And that's the Lord. That's the only person that matters. And, you know, early in my ministry, I used to worry about what does this preacher think or this guest that's coming, this guest preacher, or this guest ministry or missionary, and what do they think? And I thought, you know what? That's kind of silly. The only person that really I need to be concerned about is what does God think? What does God think? That was a very liberating thought for me. What does God think? So it is our tendency to want everybody to know everything about everybody every day. It just goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> so just do things between you and the Lord. And uh, you'll just see God bless you for that. Um, because I think it's sometimes it's the tendency of our flesh to want everybody, look, look what I've done. Look what I've done. And in ministry and in serving God, it's the little things, the little things that no one sees, that no one hears about. And it's not just in ministry, it's just in life. Like we have numbers of college students now who, who, who are attending church. Uh, I needed this list when I was going to college because I never did anything promptly, never. And... Uh, I was not persistent. I was one of those last minute, if your paper was due, it was three o'clock in the morning and I'm typing away trying to get this thing done for the next morning. Uh, I, was not, I, was, I was a procrastinator. And that's not good. Um, I certainly didn't do anything prayerfully in college either. But I don't know, these are just some points that Don Sis gives and uh, I, I don't, I'm not always successful at these things. Um, I'm sure you're probably not always su successful at these things, but just put some of these into practice and uh, the Lord will bless you for it. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, bless the morning worship service. Let it bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.